This is Coffee at KYUK, conversation between friends and neighbors. Come in and have a cup. Joining me today on Coffee to discuss tuberculosis in the Yukon-Kuskokwim Delta is Dr. Ann Zink, the Chief Medical Officer for the Alaska Department of Health, and Dr. Ellen Hodges, Chief of Staff at the Yukon-Kuskokwim Health Corporation. Good morning to you both. Good morning. In 2022, Alaska experienced a surge in tuberculosis cases. Can you speak to what factors contributed to this increase? Great. Yeah, this is Dr. Ann Zink, and I so appreciate you taking the time to talk about this super important topic. Um, So as you mentioned, we've really seen an increase in the number of tuberculosis cases, and it's probably multifactorial. During COVID, people really hunkered down, kind of stayed in their community and their household, and that's perfect conditions for TB to spread. The other problem was during the pandemic, it really worsened our ability to get out to communities to identify what's called latent TB. So some people can have tuberculosis but not know that they are. It can become active and it can be spread to others. And it became harder to find, identify, and to treat people uh, for tuberculosis. So tuberculosis uh, is a disease that's been around for a really long time, but it takes a lot of work to identify and to treat. And the COVID pandemic uh, made that much, much harder. And that delay in diagnosis, the shift in what we were all doing during that time, and the lack of kind of getting healthcare into regions uh, made a big difference. I don't know, Dr. Hodges, anything else you'd add there? Yeah, I also think there was probably some significant um, you know, shortages in public health staffing. As you said, everyone's attention really turned to the COVID pandemic, and rightly so. Um, our region was hit very hard by the, the COVID pandemic, and um, I think that was also part of it, kind of led to that also, uh, was, uh, was a real shift in focus uh, to, to COVID um, during that time period, during which um, well, we think that um, TB infections uh, were increasing. So is it a combination of um, actual rate of infection increasing along with um, just kind of delayed reporting or not reporting? Yeah, delayed diagnosis. And I think it's both. So I think that it's a combination of both. You know, Mm -hmm. if we're not finding cases early, it's easier to spread to other people. And, you know, as Dr. Hodges mentioned, it was really hard to get into communities uh, because there were a lot of other things going on during that time. And and it was really important that we took care and did what we could uh, for covid But that meant that more cases spread. So I think we're seeing both more active cases, uh, but then we're also diagnosing more cases. So I think it's both. And I think it's important to realize that as we put more effort into identifying TB, we would expect to see an increased number of cases. And we hope to, because then we're identifying people earlier who aren't symptomatic. And then that really is what allows us to turn the tide on tuberculosis and to eliminate tuberculosis in communities and hopefully make generational impact on decreasing tuberculosis uh, throughout the state, particularly the YK community. What is the state of TB in specifically Southwest Alaska and the YK Delta? Yes, I'm happy to spot about, you know, statewide data. And then clearly, you know, Dr. Hodges is the local expert who knows, you know, your region so much better. Um, But we have seen that the Southwest region continues to have the highest rate of tuberculosis cases in the state. Unfortunately, you know, 10 times the overall rate in the state. And Alaska as a whole has somewhere between three to six times the rate of the U.S. as a whole. So Alaska as a whole has more cases. And unfortunately, the Southwest region has the highest cases in the state. But Dr. Hodges? Yeah, and I think that's partially related to the excellent um, public health work that has been done probably in the last year to help identify more cases. Um, And then there's also a historically high rate of tuberculosis in our region. So I think those are kind of the combination that leads to that high rate of cases. What are some of the factors that 
contribute to the remaining prevalence of TB, both in Alaska and in the region specifically? Sure. So um, this is Dr. Ellen Hodges. I don't think I introduced myself earlier, so I'm happy to take that answer. So I think that um, Alaska's uh, TB epidemic started um, about 200 years ago when outsiders um, from the region came here, settlers and explorers, uh, from areas with endemic TB. In the first part of the century, of the 20th century, almost everyone in YK was infected with tuberculosis. If you look at some of the sweeps that they did back in um, the 1940s and 1950s, upwards of 95% of school children tested positive with a tuberculin skin test. So there, there's this huge reservoir of people then who have active tuberculosis infection and latent tuberculosis infection. Um, about 10% of people with latent tuberculosis infection will eventually develop active infectious tuberculosis. So this can happen right away, so right after you get infected, or TB is very sneaky. This can happen decades later. Uh, some of those <clears throat> individuals can develop active tuberculosis much later in their life. Um, so we do see TB flare-ups in villages, probably from this large reservoir of people previously infected. Um, and so people with untreated latent infection um, oh, and untreated active infection, or they get re-exposed to be TB from another, uh, another source. Um, so this re results in these flare-ups of disease, and that's kind of what we're seeing right now. TB spreads best among people who live in poorly ventilated homes with prolonged indoor contact with a person with active infectious tuberculosis. So if you think about our region with crowded households, uh, poorly ventilated homes, and movement between households and villages, and we're going to see these types of things spread from household to household and therefore village to village. And I think that probably explains the increased rate. And I don't know if Dr. Zink has anything else to add to that. You know, I just highlight, you know, what Dr. Hodges said about just a really devastating impact that this disease has had across Alaska, but particularly the YK community for, you know, centuries. Um, I was recently on a panel, um, and it was great to be there and hear from elders and, you know, some of our public health nurses who grew up in the region who talked about, you know, their dad going away to a sanitarium because that was our really kind of our only treatment. And I think that historical impact uh, is really real and prevalent and devastating. And I just want to emphasize that, you know, we have treatment options that allow people to stay in community. People don't need to leave. They don't need to go to a sanitarium. There's no shame associated with tuberculosis. But this is really going to take all of us both to address kind of that cultural past and the just devastation of tuberculosis in the community, but then to really remove this incredibly sneaky bacteria from the community as a reservoir that continues to flare up and to infect people and to make kids sick and to make elders sick. Um, and it's going to take all of us to identify cases, to make sure that if someone identifies and tests positive, that they finish their medication uh, because it's a hard regimen, it's a long regimen, and that we collectively do everything we can because, um, you know, we've seen with the COVID-19 pandemic, you know, the YK was hit hard. But it's a very different story than what we saw during the 1918 pandemic. And we collectively have the power to change our future. And I think we have the opportunity right now um, to really get rid of this bacteria or make it almost non-existent in our community. But it's going to take all of us to work through it. Yeah. Um, what do modern treatment options for TB look like? It's a great question. It's actually a little bit more complicated than I think any of us would like, um, and we are hoping for more simplified treatment options. 
Um, there's not a great vaccine, so I will just put that out from the beginning. Um, so there is one, but it's, it's really problematic in some ways and really just minimizes uh, for just at-risk children, but really doesn't prevent uh, active TB later. And so the data shows that the best thing we can do to try to get rid of this uh, this you know tuberculosis in a community is is to identify cases as quickly as possible and then to treat those cases and treatment usually requires taking medication uh, for a period of time like four to six months like it can be a long time depending on the type of tuberculosis there's multi-drug resistant tuberculosis it can be resistant to different drugs how sick the patient is can all determine the length of the course I think that the biggest thing to note is that it's really important that if you are told you have active TB and you need to take medication, that you take it every day. And um, as a human, I am bad about taking my medications every day, even when I'm supposed to. This is hard and this is long, but uh, it's really, really critical to not only help that individual recover from tuberculosis, but so that we don't see new strands of tuberculosis that are more resistant to drugs and result in the next person having to take different ones or longer ones where sometimes we have some that are untreatable. Fortunately, what we see in Alaska is primarily treatable tuberculosis. And so that's why it's really important that we complete our courses of antibiotics. Um, you've mentioned active versus latent tuberculosis a couple of times. Could you talk a little bit more about what it means to have either kind of TB? What does it mean to have latent tuberculosis? Yeah, so great question. Latent tuberculosis means that you are not actively infectious. So you um, have the, you have tuberculosis. Um, it, you would test positive like on a skin test uh, for it, but you aren't, if you, you know, cough, if you are, you know, living with a family, you're not going to cause them to get sick because you don't have active uh, tuberculosis. It's not growing at a rate that you're able to produce enough to spread it to another person. Active tuberculosis, as Dr. Hodges mentioned, about 10% of people who have latent tuberculosis can develop active tuberculosis. And this can happen when you're stressed and when you get sick, uh, as you get older. Um, there's multiple reasons that people may have latent tuberculosis that becomes active tuberculosis. Then you're infectious to other people. Um, and so then you can spread it to others. But Dr. Hodges, what else would you add there? That, yeah, there, so there is medication that needs to be taken for both um, latent tuberculosis and active tuberculosis. It's, it's a different type of regimen, um, but it is still also a long course, like Dr. Zink said, and it's so important that individuals who have latent tuberculosis, so they're infected with the germ, but they don't have the active infection, take their medication um, because that can help prevent um, them from developing an active infection and potentially spreading it on to other people in their household and in their village. So in people who have that latent tuberculosis, they might not feel sick. They might feel just fine. Um, and it might, it's hard to take medication when you feel absolutely fine, but it's important that that in group of individuals also take their, their medications as well. Um, and so those individuals will be reached out to by the, the public health team at YK and the public health team from the state uh, to encourage you to take your medications as well. But we do spend um, the vast majority of our resources working with those with active infection, um, you know, with directly observed therapy, meaning that we have to have someone observe you take your medications. Um, and that's not because we don't trust you or we think you're a bad person. Uh, we had uh, one of our physicians was infected with tuberculosis and she had to do directly observed therapy for for uh, the whole the whole time uh, someone had to watch her take her medications and write it down so it's not a trust issue um, it's just an issue to make sure that 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 full course of medication gets taken yeah um in the yk delta if someone feels that they need to be tested or treated for tuberculosis um how can they go about finding the care that they need 
Sure, I'm happy to answer that question. So we would like you to reach out to your village clinic if you are in a village. So call your, your village health clinic. Um, you can also, if you're in Bethel, reach out to the outpatient clinic uh, to schedule uh, some testing. Um, I just want to make everyone aware that uh, some of the symptoms that we would be worried about uh, related to tuberculosis uh, might be a productive cough uh, for at least two weeks. And certainly anytime you cough up blood, that we would want to see you right away. Night sweats, uh, fever, and unintentional weight loss, those are all associated with active tuberculosis. So anyone with those symptoms, uh, it would be really important that you sought health care right away. Uh, especially if you know that you've been exposed to somebody with active tuberculosis. So, uh, so productive cough, coughing up blood, uh, fevers and night sweats, uh, and unintentional weight loss. Um, not everyone with TB has all those symptoms, but if you have those symptoms, uh, we would like you to get evaluated right away. So go ahead and call the outpatient clinic here in Bethel to schedule an appointment, or if you're in a village, uh, go ahead and call your village clinic and get scheduled uh, to uh, get a tuberculosis test. So there's two types of testing that we do in the YK Delta for tuberculosis. Um, for initial assessment, one is a tuberculin skin test. And I think lots of people are familiar with this where a small amount of medication is injected under the skin uh, and, and that has to be read two days later. And then we also do, a, we also do blood work. Uh, we can draw a blood test for that. So those are kind of the two ways that you might get uh, evaluated when you show up for assessment. Awesome. Thank you, Dr. Hodges and Dr. Zink, for all of this important information. Thanks for having us. Thank you so much. Have a great day. That was Dr. Ann Zink, the Chief Medical Officer for the Alaska Department of Health, and Dr. Ellen Hodges, Chief of Staff at the Yukon-Kuskokwim Health Corporation. Join us tomorrow for a discussion of GCI's efforts to improve services in rural Alaska. Kuyana ilaga kaluta chali matumniti limkingoni aipirit mi 840 a.m. mamini chukuni nechtutun yuchtun kanruyut nagnasun ritnachkhanik yulokaut kanik ni chukuni kumta. Aipirit mi 840 a.m. mami. That's coffee weekday mornings at 840. Catch up on old episodes by visiting kyuk.org or find us on Apple Podcast, Spotify, or wherever you get your favorite podcast.